Happy Valentine's Day from all of us here at Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller, along with Dr. Greg Smalley and his wife, Erin. They're colleagues here at the ministry, and today we're going to describe how you can build your marriage on a solid foundation of God's love. And so as we hit this topic, Greg and Erin, give a sentence or two. What's the best marriage advice that someone has given you? You know, someone shared a Teddy Roosevelt quote one time that I saw. In, because he's an, a marriage expert of, of, of some note. <laughs> when you think of marriage experts, you should think of yeah, Teddy Roosevelt. TR. Yeah. He said one time that people don't care what you know until they know that you care. And what was interesting for me is um, that empathy, compassion, that that's a learned behavior for some people, mm-hmm. like it was for me. Yeah. And Aaron does that so well naturally. It was just something that I had to work on. So honestly, John... I printed off that quote and put it in my Bible. I had that at work, just at different places. How did that translate into your relationship with Aaron? How that really helped me was when Aaron would come with maybe a frustration or hurt, something happened to her that day. It was so natural for me to go, here's how we can solve that. Mr. Fix-It. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. And, And that's honestly how I thought I was loving her was by relieving the pain, helping her think through a solution, how to fix the problem. And yet that quote, I realized that she doesn't care whatever solution I know until she knows that I actually care you really about do her care, and yeah. am willing to spend some time just hurting with her. So you're nodding your head on this one, Erin. Oh, yeah. I lived that for many years. Have I gotten <laughs> Until better? that quote. Yeah, that quote. Yes, okay, very good. much so. She very gave you the quote, so. right? Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was, it was actually her. me that wrote it. I, one of my most favorite pieces of advice before we got married was from his mother. And I always laugh at this one because she said, Aaron, just give Greg until he's 30. And then at 30, he will mature. <laughs> I got to wait that long? And, and we got married and, when I was 23. And you so. said that Norma, you it, really appreciated that. I did. Because it allowed me to, I, I kind of went, what does that mean? I mean, we thought we were so mature. But at 30, what it allowed me to do was to go, oh, he's going to continue growing. And so am I. And it's okay that we aren't, you know, mature. We're 23-year-old kids getting married, and we've got a lot to learn. And we learned that very quickly just through our interactions. So she gave me heaps of grace because of the quote. But I'm still waiting. (laughs) (laughs) The little boy is still within. (laughs) It's 51. I'm almost there. So we're close. (laughs) Well, we have some great marriage advice now. Let's go ahead and listen to it from listeners like you. I've got great news to, for a long and happy marriage, and it's only two words. Yes, dear. It'll cause you a whole lot less heartache. Separate bathroom sinks. One of the things that I do is I'll buy um, some cards, you know, and just kind of keep some extra ones around, whether you put it in your glove compartment or you keep it under your side of the bed. That way, when you feel the urge, you just have it right there. You know, write a little note. Something romantic, put it in the car, leave it by the coffee pot. When he leaves to work, or when you leave to work, if you have a light, a porch light, or a light in the living room, just put it on and off means, I love you. And that's what we do. And as he's going down the street, he puts on his emergency lights, on and off, on and off, on and off, until I don't see him any longer. And when they come home, we meet again, we always have a kiss. No matter what time it is. 
we get a couple of devotional magazines that we read every night together and read the scripture that goes along with it. And we have two so that he can read one, and then I read the scripture that goes with it, and then I can read the devotion on the other one, and he reads the scripture, um, and then we pray together. And out of anything, I think that that praying together is what keeps us together. Keep your communication open. We've been married 51 years, and we found that we needed to sometimes explain what I've said or what my wife has said because we hear differently. And we've gotten so we repeat, this is what I heard, is this what you need? And that gives us a, the other individual the opportunity to clarify what they said. We found it quite helpful with us. If it's important to her, my wife of 50 years, Naomi, it's important to me. Some of the things that I wanted to go out and conquer mountains for her, I said, what can I do? What can I do? And she says, what is really significant is you bring in the trash cans. What is significant is you keep my car filled with gas. So after 50 years of life, I've learned these lessons well. And I thank God for Naomi. And I would do it again. Absolutely. The most influential thing that we have done in our marriage is every evening before we go to sleep is share what we appreciated most about the other. So it doesn't matter what happens during the day. We always end on a positive note. And sometimes it's obvious, sometimes it's surprising, and it's taught us the art of being appreciative and how we can um, cultivate that in our relationship. I lost my husband to cancer about ten and a half years ago. And um, when he had a lot of pain, because they had to remove four of his ribs front to back, he said to me, um, if they told me that they would take my arms or my legs and I could live and stay, I would give my legs or my arms in order to stay with you and the kids. And another time he said, you know, it's not the physical pain. He said, I could live with the physical pain for the rest of my life. It's the thought of leaving you and the kids. And so my advice is not to take each other for granted. I think I did that a little bit when my husband was here. It's human nature to take one another for granted, but making every day count and just being thankful for one another. The best advice I can give you, we have five children, we've been through a lot, good and bad, um, is to always remain together, no matter what. So we've been down a very long, hard road. About two and a half years ago, my wife got diagnosed with um, terminal lung cancer, and we've been battling that, and uh, it's kind of brought our marriage even closer. That is probably the, the, the most powerful part of everything. We've heard it in the movie Fireproof. Never leave your partner. Make it work. Make that commitment before anything happens and stay strong and be by each other's side through everything. Well, it is amazing what you can learn about marriage when you find a couple who really lives out what they believe. and. It's really good to reflect on some of those couples in the scriptures and see how God used them. And with that in mind, let's go ahead and hear now as Focus President Jim Daly talks with Rhonda Stoppe. Rhonda, as Christians, we sometimes think things like romance and true love are 
kind of in that silly category. Maybe men think of men it that do. way. Okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> Let me speak for men. Girlfriends out there. <laughs> but also we might think, ah, they're, you know, somewhat worldly. I don't know. I mean, I, I tend to like romance and all that. I don't know if Gene would agree. Well, it'd be good to see it occasionally. Well, but... we have her on the phone right now. <laughs> you better not. <laughs> and it was nice having John on the broadcast. <laughs> but I want to get to the point. Of, you know, what's the significance of the biblical stories? I mean, I think, and again, I'm being very stereotypical. I get that. But I think we men, we kind of brush through those and we don't think of it in that context. We want to get to David battling you know, as a warrior. Mm-hmm. And that probably starts as teenagers, right? Mm-hmm. We want the nitty gritty guy stuff in there. But the, the stories in scripture about romance, first of all, do they exist? And secondly, where are they and what are they telling us? The one that comes to mind as you're asking that question is just think of Mary and Joseph. There are a couple of kids and they were engaged and they were going to get married and they were, the Bible tells us that Joseph deeply loved Mary and then she comes and says, uh, this angel came to me and told me that, right, right? and I'm going to carry the Messiah, and I am a virgin, but just so you know. And isn't it interesting that God doesn't send the angel first to Joseph? To Joseph yeah. He challenges Joseph to just kind of trust her. And of course, he's like, the girl's a little bit cray-cray. I'm going to put her away <laughs> right. privately because I love her. Yeah. And then I love that God gives her Elizabeth, that older mentor. She mm-hmm. goes away to be with her cousin who's pregnant with John the Baptist. And immediately Elizabeth sees her and says, yeah, you are pregnant with the Messiah. This baby that's within me just leapt within my womb. And then here's Joseph out there trying to figure it out. And then God comes to him and gives him a dream and says, take this woman to be your wife. Uh, what I love about all of those Old Testament accounts is God's character, because a lot of times God doesn't show up immediately when he challenges us to do something that's a huge act of faith. Yeah. And he doesn't surround us with a bunch of people that cheer us on and say, oh, yeah, I totally believe God's calling you to do that. You've got the practical people that are like, what are you thinking? You can't yeah. do that. And so Joseph comes, she comes back and he takes her as his bride. What a beautiful romance story. Mm-hmm. And then to think of, why am I tearing up? He delivered the Messiah. It was just her and him in the inn. No, no room in the inn. <laughs> the manger. The manger. He delivered this baby. And, and you know, there's something romantic about even when you have a child and your spouse is in the room with you. I was in labor for 52 hours with my first child. Oh my. Oop, you just no earned drugs. a gold star from all the ladies I know, listening. Right? No <laughs> drugs, no meds. Oh um, my. Because back in the, um, when did I get, when she was in 83, I had a hippie doula that was like, oh no, it's better. Don't take And I'm like, okay, I want to be a good mom. I'm not going to take any drugs. Uh-huh. <laughs> but you know, Steve sat by my side and he encouraged me and he held my hand and he coached me. That's real life romance. Well, That's, you treated him pretty well. Yeah. (laughs) All that was going on. Gene was like, give me the drugs. (laughs) But there's so many real life romance stories that we miss in our own love stories Mm. because it's just life and we just move forward. But if we step back and encourage, you know, yourself to think about when he showed up for you, when you showed up for him, Uh, Steve shattered his hip in a dirt bike accident 13 years ago. It was rough. He has a metal plate. I say he has buns of steel now. Uh, (laughs) And and I had to take care of him. And it was three months of him just really not being able to do much at all. And I remember he would just say, babe, I'm so sorry because this injury, you know, whatever. But I remember telling him, this gives me an opportunity to show you how much I love you in a way I never would have been able to show you. Did it you. test you at all, though? Oh, yeah, I wept. I mean, seriously, you sound so angelic, and I want to no, make sure. No, no, we both wept. But, you know, I had been 
if we're preparing our hearts before a trial comes, mm-hmm. and I had been reading a book and it was called, uh, uh, the subtitle was Fighting for Joy. And I remember when he was in the hospital and the entire time that we were going through all, he was in traction for nine days. Oh, I know. That's like, get, can I get some water? Yeah. I no. mean, I broke my ankle and you Jane know. had to do that. Yeah. So I really, I do know how and terrible that is. And Nehemiah 810 just kept coming over my mind and it's, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Mm. In Psalm 119, he says, your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. There is a secret formula to taking our thoughts captive, and it comes from being washed with truth and having it in there. So when those things come, we're prepared. When did Nehemiah tell them the joy of the Lord is your strength? When they were building a wall with one hand, a trowel in one hand, and a sword in the other fighting off the enemy that was going to maybe attack them also that was challenging their character lying about them saying that their motives weren't pure wow i'm a pastor's wife if you're trying to build your house with one hand and you've got people coming at you with you know questioning your integrity or your motives or whatever you can either pick up the burden of all of that or you can fight for joy which is what nehemiah said the success to your battle is the joy of the lord is your strength amen i like that So Rhonda mentioned how Mary and Joseph inspired her in her relationship with Steve. Um, Greg and Aaron, do you have any Bible couples that come to mind in in terms of that's what we want to be? Oh, well, Adam and Eve, obviously, naked, unashamed, (laughs) in a garden, with the command to be fruitful and multiply. Come on. How do you you skip over them? I want to be Adam and Eve. It's actually in the New Testament, Aquila and Priscilla Mm. really stand out to us. This was really the first missionary couple. And what's fascinating is that they are mentioned six times in the New Testament, three times Aquila is mentioned first, and three times Priscilla is mentioned first, but they're always mentioned together. And as I've thought about that in God's perfect symmetry, to me that just shows the power of a couple, that it wasn't just about him as the husband or just about her, it was about them. Mm -hmm. And I just love how three times she's mentioned first, three times he's mentioned first. But what really stands out, this was a couple who had a powerful dream together. Individual callings, certainly, but they formed a dream together that they wanted to go out and share the gospel. Mm. And it just shows you that when a couple who have amazing strengths, who are married, there's a power there. That oneness that God talks about. Mm-hmm. You know, So what Aaron and I can do together is far greater than anything that we could do on our own. Mm. And just what they accomplished is amazing. So I know that they really inspire me. The funny thing is when we were talking about this, we had the same couple. I too just so admire Priscilla and Aquila. And it was interesting. I was watching a movie. It was on the Apostle Paul and they are shown in this movie. And it just was so, it brought all of that to life. Hmm. What a strong woman she was and how much he respected her, but vice versa. She respected him. They're a power couple. And they equally respected each other, and they were a powerhouse team. And I just love that. And I wonder if you could rewind. Um, You've been married, what, 25 years? 20. We're going on 28. 28. So if you could rewind, would you have imagined where you'd be if you didn't have each other to pull on in this season of life? Yeah. I mean, what Aaron brings to our marriage and to me, I mean, I, I think about just the way Aaron inspires me to be a better man, to grow and to learn, to keep dealing with whatever issues and baggage that I have. Aaron has always 
been someone over the 20 years of our marriage who's constantly learning and growing, reading something, looking at research, going to counseling. Mm. And that's been such an inspiration for me to go, wait, she's like moving really far ahead. <laughs> I, need to, I need to start working yeah. so that we can be together and growing and learning mm. so that God can use us in even bigger and better ways. Yeah. And I even think so often professionally and within our ministry that I would never have stepped into some of the areas that Greg has encouraged me in speaking Mm. and writing and going back into the therapist chair. Greg has just been such a mentor to me. Mm. And a client. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, kind of turning the corner, but building on that, there are times of uh, hardship that tend to bring us together as a couple. Um, And it's amazing to see what God can do in those moments. Let's go ahead and hear now from authors Ryan and Selena Frederick. Um, They were living in Switzerland. They'd been married for a couple of years, and they discovered Ryan had a serious heart condition, and he needed open-heart surgery. And there are some beautiful lessons they learned about their relationship and about God together. Let's go ahead and hear them now talking with Jim Daly. Well, and that's the point to pick the story up, the fact that you did wake up from surgery, you looked at each other, and the doctors were optimistic that they Mm -hmm. had done the job needed to allow you many more years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That gave you a different perspective mm-hmm. when it comes to marriage. What changed? To be honest and to be really candid, initially I was really angry at God. I was like, how could he let this even happen? Mm. And so there was a period of kind of, you know, you sit, if you're ever, you know, in the surf and a wave catches you on your heels, you know, you mm. got to recover from it. And that was a really refining time for our faith. But it really it's started to shape our theology around our capacity to be glorifying to God and how it's really up to his sovereignty at every step. And it's by his grace that we do anything that's good. And um, the small moments that we have are, are important, right? Mm-hmm. And so it, that eternal perspective came, but it came, it took years to kind of fill that out and to know that life is still short. Yeah, right. And so we need to spend our moments doing eternal things and not just, you know, wasting them. Uh, Selena, let me come back to you because uh, I want people to really hear your heart and Ryan, you too, in terms of what you learned. But um, facing death, you typically don't do until later in life. Typically, mm-hmm. I know some young people do face it and and that happens. But what did you really take away from this? What was that one thing that you thought, wow, facing it so early helped me become fill in the blank? Um Grateful. grateful, grateful every day, mm. grateful for the moments, the good and the bad and the ugly and all the in between, just knowing that what we have today was not a for sure. It was not a guarantee. Um, grateful to God to have led us either way, led me either way and be sovereign in in the outcomes. Let me ask you this, because, again, I, I so appreciate your honesty in the beginning about the story and how Ryan wasn't carrying his weight. Mm-hmm. Did it? And I mean this in the best of ways. Convicted Did it help me? you learn to be less selfish? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. It was and in very what convicting. Way? Um I think it slowed me down in my accusing state, you know, as a as a young wife, accusing my husband of maybe not doing these things or not engaging the way I want him to. Why isn't he helping me? And, you know, just all mm-hmm. of my not realizing there's a deeper issue that yeah. I'm 
not seeing that I'm ignoring. And so I think it's it put the brakes on me jumping to those conclusions. Ryan, you wake up, uh, things are moving, you're making a decision now, fierce marriage is where I want to live. And that's where <laughs> I want Selena to be. What does that mean to have a fierce marriage? All the way back a few minutes ago when we started the program. Yeah, yeah so the name is Selena's idea. So That's my only claim to fame because yeah. you're the marketing guy. So this is my... <laughs> but it came from, I think, this thought that marriage that lasts and is loving and is Christ-honoring takes a fierce tenacity that never gives up and never gives in. And that was, that was kind of our founding, okay, this is what a fierce marriage is and this is what we mean by the word fierce mm-hmm. and what kind of compelled us into it and to, to have this conviction to share is that we had, at the time, actually, so we... From the time we were two years married, coming back from this trip, and up until nine years married, we were just, I don't know, growing roots. We were figuring out some aspects of our faith, some aspects of our own relationship, no kids at all. And um, we had friends that had gotten married, and some had gotten divorced, and many, and not already. many, but a few, yeah, yeah, in that time that we were already married. And so I thought, what's so different about us? Why are we happy? Why are we still together? And of course, we, we landed on simply it's Jesus. He's the only reason. I don't mean that as a bad answer, but he's the reason that we're, we have grace toward each other and we can still love each other fiercely. I love the testimony there, the story of how God intervened. And when you hear a story like theirs, it is a beautiful reminder to build your marriage on the foundation of God's love. And Aaron, um, as you listened along, uh, is there any particular way that you're thinking how Christ's influences you and your love for Greg? Absolutely. I What comes to mind first and foremost is 1 John 3.16. And it says, this is how we know what love is, that Christ laid his life down for us and we ought to do the same. And I think within marriage, what an opportunity we have to show hmm. each other Christ's love through serving and sacrificing for each other. Because there's times, of course, in marriage that all of us have opportunities to do this. We're selfish human beings, I can speak from personal experience and, you know, that we have the opportunity just to lay down our rights, our wants, our time, whatever it is, just to show our spouse how much we care, how much we love. Hmm. Yeah, I think for me, I love the book of Hosea. There's a kind of midway through chapter two, God is talking about how he's going to win back his bride. So this is really one of the only times that we get to hear God operating in the role of husband. So, I mean, that's a really cool part of Scripture, but he talks about the first thing that he's going to do to win back his bride, the children of Israel, is he says, therefore, I'm now going to allure her. And I just, I love that word. As I think about my marriage, this idea of alluring Aaron means that I'm constantly doing things to get her attention. We live in a busy world. Mm-hmm. We have four children. Aaron works full time. We have church. We have all these things. She has friends. And notice I didn't say I do. Just <laughs> I Aaron say. has friends. She carries the load. <laughs> exactly. And so in the midst of all that white noise, I have to be intentional to learn what are things that when I do them actually gets Aaron to turn towards me in a positive way. Because mm-hmm. there are plenty of things that, that I could do. Well, I, mean, would... I appreciate that because there are natural tendencies to shut down, I think, for, especially for us guys, to shut down and say whatever, right? Yeah. And we can't do that. No. I mean, marriage 
is something that has to be attended to and has to almost, we need to, our attitude needs to be, we need to rebuild our marriage every day. Hmm. I mean, imagine if we had that sort of attitude, but I like the idea of alluring her. And so I asked her, so this is a great question. Guys, gals, ask your spouse, what is it that I do that actually causes you to turn towards me? How do I capture your attention in a positive way? And so, like lately for Aaron, she said, you know what, when you invite me on a coffee date to where it's just me and you, we've got this great little coffee place, real original, close by our house, and when you invite me, and we just get to sit there, and within that time, I've learned another way to allure her is I'll ask her, give me three feeling words, because she loves to talk about emotions, mm-hmm. and, and I want to stay current. I want to hear about what's going on. It's been a great way just to hear about what's going on. I feel this. I feel that. Whoa. What, yeah. Why, why do you feel sad today? Um, I'll ask her, what's something that I've done lately that you appreciate so that I know that she's noticing things that I do? And then I'll even ask her, what's maybe one thing that I can yeah. be working on? Mm-hmm. And it's just been a, a really safe place because we're in public. <laughs> so I know we're not going <laughs> to no get there. into anything, but yeah. it's a great way just to allure her. Hmm. And so the, I love that verse. God's modeled something wonderful for us. Well, I appreciate your hearts on that. And uh, Greg and Aaron lead the marriage team here at Focus. And uh, we have so many resources to help strengthen your relationship um, everything from books from Ted Cunningham. Uh, we've got one in mind called The Love That Laughs. You two laugh a lot. My wife and I, uh, we try to laugh a lot. Uh, contact us for a copy of that. We have weekend getaways in Branson, Missouri for uh, just kind of a tune-up time for you as a couple. Um, we have trained staff members there. They're going to give you uh, some really good advice on developing a deeper connection with your spouse And we have so much more. So let me ask you to reach out to us. Stop by our website or give us a call if we can be of any help to you in your relationship. Uh, Just check the episode notes for details on getting in touch. And if you can, please leave a review on the App Store or the podcast place uh, that you get this content. And just know that that feedback helps us know that we're hitting the need. And it helps others know where they can find some good, trusted advice. Well, on behalf of Aaron and Greg and the entire team here at Focus on the Family, thanks so much for listening to the Loving Well podcast.